This is the PR Podcast, a show about how public relations helps you tell your story to the world. We talk with great PR practitioners who have the skills, creativity, and just plain savvy to get their clients noticed. Now here's your host, Jody Fisher. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the PR Podcast. I'm Jody Fisher. Thanks for joining us. Well, there is so much news that we can t- that's happened in the last week or so, and so much that we could talk about here at the top of the podcast. But I thought the story that um, I wanted to talk about the most because it just inspired me, uh, and we tape this on Friday afternoons and post on Mondays, but the story that just hit this morning, it was the, the awarding of the annual Nobel Peace Prize, and it was given to two journalists. Um, and it just made me feel so good. And, uh, you know, you can you can Google and, and find out more about the two people who won the award. But to me, when I read that in my dark living room before dawn, you know, drink sipping my coffee was the fact that, you know, finally, we have a Nobel Peace Prize that goes to journalists, doesn't go to politicians, doesn't go to some you know, shameless self-promoter who thinks they're changing the world, um, certainly doesn't go to, go to anyone who's running a social media network. And uh, I don't think anyone's going to get any from, from that camp is going to get an award these days. Um, but two journalists um, who get up every day to defend the freedom of expression, freedom of press, and to do really important work that is changing the lives of people all over the world. Like I said, you can Google and get the details, but I just thought sort of chalk one up for us journalists and ex-journalists um, who have done that job and that very thankless job many days. Uh, was so glad to see uh, journalists recognized by the Nobel Committee getting that Nobel Peace Prize. So congratulations to them. Um, And let's all raise a glass and rejoice. Um, We have a terrific guest this week, so let's get right into it. Leslie Mays is a news reporter and anchor at NBC Connecticut, and she's the creator uh, and host of Connecticut in Color, which is a program dedicated to discussing important issues for our communities of color. Her home is D.C., but she got to Connecticut by way of North Carolina, uh, taking a path that lots of journalists do, right? One city to the next. She's covered national politics as the Washington Bureau producer for Time Warner Cable News Channels. She started her career behind the camera, and that's where we met as a news assistant and a photographer at New York One News in New York City. She's an active member of the National Association of Black Journalists. She enjoys working with children from underserved communities. We want to hear about that and telling stories that might often go unnoticed. Leslie, welcome to the PR podcast. Thank you for having me. And you forgot to add uh, on the PR front, we met in that PR class at St. John's University. We did. That's uh, wow. We go even further back, right? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so this so this is really great. Uh, And I'm, I'm so thrilled to have you on. And I'm I'm so thrilled to have watched your career trajectory over the years. You have really done an amazing job of, you know, I don't want to say rising up through the ranks, but you really have. I mean, you, you started out on the street as a videographer, right? After you were a a student at St. John's uh, learning about communications and journalism, you then went out into the street and you're lugging a camera around and you're doing your own shoots. Tell me about what got you interested in journalism in the first place. Um, I think I I share the story that so many journalists do that in school, I was always chatting and talking. I was always very curious. I always wanted to know a lot. I was the one the teacher had to tell, you know, hush, hush. You know, I was never disruptive, but always, you know, wanted to know a little bit more. Always was talking to somebody about what the teacher was saying, what was going on in the world. And then I think also 
growing up in Washington, D.C., you know, I was exposed to politics. I was, you know, living amongst a, a very educated population. And, you know, what so much of the news is about was right down the street for me in the form of the Capitol and, you know, all the, the White House and federal agencies and everything. And so I grew up in a place where we read the newspaper at my house every day. The news was always on. My parents, you know, from when I was a kid, wanted to make sure that I was somebody who knew what was happening in the world around me. And as I was getting to the place in junior high and high school where you had to figure out kind of what you wanted to do, I knew I wanted to do something different every day. And that's the best part about being a journalist, especially like me, a television reporter, is just that you don't know what you're going to do when you wake up in the morning, you don't know where the day is going to take you. And I went to St. John's and wanted to be in New York City for the the news. And when I got the opportunity coming out of school to work at New York One, I said, well, I can go to one of these smaller markets and be on TV, you know, when I was 22 years old, or I can stay in New York City, the place where the bulk of it happens, <laughs> you know, some of the biggest stories, the biggest names, all kinds of things were just day-to-day -day news there. And so I started in New York One. Um, they call it a news assistant, but yeah, you're basically a photographer. And there were days when I would see all five boroughs or four of the five boroughs running around chasing stories, carrying my own camera, shooting stories by myself, shooting stories and working alongside a reporter. And it was the best training, I think, to prepare me for this business in that I well, now that I've been in New York, like it's true, if you make it here, you can make it anywhere. So I'm, I've seen it all. I've seen building collapses. I've seen steam pipe explosions. I've covered the biggest politicians. I've been in the same room as some of my favorite celebrities um, and, you know, seen breaking news that would just blow your mind. So I really, really enjoyed it. And I think it set me up to, to do what I'm doing now and, and hopefully some of the things I'll do one day down the line. I can't agree more. I, and, and it's so great to hear your appreciation of all that. You know, being out in the street is is a tough gig because um, you're out there in the sun and the rain and the snow and the heat and the sweat and the cold and I can't feel my toes and all that stuff. But it also gives you an appreciation for what that camera sees. It's very easy to, I think, probably sit back in a studio and say, well, can we get a picture that looks like this? It's another thing to actually know what it takes and you know what it takes to stand out in the street and get that shot. Um, how has that experience helped you progress and do what you do now, do it better? Well, it certainly, number one, gives me a tremendous appreciation for the photographers that I work alongside because I know what it's like to be carrying that camera while it's a million degrees outside or while you can barely press the buttons because it's so cold or because, you know, literally your fingertips are frozen. Um, but I think that, that the perspective of, of knowing, hey, it's not that easy to just run over and get this quick video of someone. So there's police tape in the way. There's, you know, local neighborhood police that won't let you through. You're in a neighborhood where maybe people aren't so excited that you are there. Um, and so it, it makes it harder to, to get the story, to get the images that we need to tell our stories on television. I'm glad that I was able to do it. You know, I have an appreciation just for the, the technical time that it takes to go shoot something, edit it, and turn it around to be on television. It's gotten much better since when I started, which was not forever ago, but in the last, you know, 15 years, television, the way we do news has changed dramatically, and things are a lot faster, but it's still 
you know, the folks behind the scenes, I tell people, you know, they're the ones that we should give a lot of the credit to because I would look crazy on television every day, especially moving to new markets and stuff where I didn't know where I was if I didn't have the photographer that I'm working with to kind of guide me along because he or she had been here for years, knew where we were at, could tell me what was going on, who to talk to, you know, how to maneuver certain things. Um, it, it, I'm glad that I started the way that I did to end up where I am now. I bet that they've also got to have an appreciation for you as well. You know, someone who spent their life as a videographer or photographer out in the street, because that's what they want to do. And they're great at it. When they hear that you've got that background, that you're not just swinging in as someone who's, you know, worried about how you look in the frame and you're actually out there interested telling that story. That's got to that's got to ring true with them as well. I think so. I think, you know, they. I, you know, I, I try in everything that I ask a photographer to do to think about when someone was asking me to do those things and can this be done and how would I want to do it and also just giving them a good amount of leeway to say you're a professional you know how to do this I don't need to micromanage you and tell you to shoot every single person or you know get this video film this blade of grass I know that <laughs> you know how to do it so I think it, it's worked out pretty well for me and I think here at NBC Connecticut I can especially say I love the photographers that we have it's a great team of folks who are seasoned professionals who can get it done well and quick. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now let's talk a little bit about the story kind of stories that you like to tell, because what we like to talk about here on the PR podcast is if you're a PR person, how do you more effectively pitch reporters and editors? Um, but from your side of the desk, what kind of stories do you like to tell? What do you like to see coming at you? So you, you're the creator and the host of Connecticut of in color, right? Tell us about that, that series, that show. So it's a story, a series of stories all about people of color who live in the state of Connecticut. I think sometimes for some folks, when they think about Connecticut, they don't necessarily believe that it is as diverse a place as it really is. And when I came here now almost seven years ago, I said, if I ever get the chance, I want to make sure that I amplify some of those stories and make sure that audiences of color realize that they are represented in the media. I have people come up to me all the time when I'm out and about. They're just so glad to see me as an African-American woman on television. And so we try to tell stories that maybe some other folks wouldn't have necessarily told. We've done everything from talking to the first Black master hot air balloon pilot, a man named Bill Costin, who happens to live here in Connecticut, to uh, we've got an upcoming episode where we are talking to a woman who runs a place called the Ebony Horsewomen. She's a Black woman in the equestrian world and in the middle of the North End of Hartford, which is a place that historically been economically depressed and faced a number of different challenges. She's got a stable full of barn of horses and gives lessons and provides camps. And so in addition to the other news that I do, which is just general assignment news of the day, which I absolutely love, like don't even get me started about talking about breaking news, the kinds of stories that I like to tell when we've got the time and when it's not day of are things that I think open people's eyes to stuff that they might not realize exists in the communities where they live. And so I often will, thinking about PR people, I often ask folks to tell me, well, why should somebody care about this? I understand you've got a job to do as a publicist and you've got a client that you answer to, but don't come to me necessarily for, uh, to get yourself some press, you know, and people will say that to me. I'm like, you know, you could buy a commercial. I can send you to the people in sales, but tell me why this is something that matters to the audience and, and present it in a way that, that offers something for me as a journalist and to the, the viewers, my audience, um, you know, who are the characters in your story? Who's the everyday person that someone can relate to or the issue or the, the story that you can tell me through your lens that I can then 
put on television and make have value for other folks. And so I think it's trying to find that happy medium for me when, when I am presented with a story that I didn't just stumble upon on my own, um, but making sure that I'm, I'm telling stories that really matter. You know, folks are going to see this story about the Ebony Horsewomen and maybe sign their kids up for horseback riding classes, or maybe some child of color is going to think, you know, I could fly hot air balloons one day. Um, I want to tell stories that I know somebody's going to see this and it will mean something to them right away. That's so great. Uh, I have a couple of things I want to follow up there uh, on, but the most important one I want to ask you about is, do you think that journalism with the big J, right, the big, the big organization journalism is doing a good job telling stories about communities of color, people of color? Um, because, I mean, I, I can have my opinion as a white man, but I don't think my opinion counts for all that much in the context of this question. So you tell me, are, are, are journalists doing a good job telling those stories? I think it's getting much, much, much better. Um, you know, in the 15 years I've been working in this business, I've seen dramatic change. Um, even in the handful of years that I've been here in Connecticut, I've seen significant change just in representation in terms of who is on camera, who is telling those stories, whatever the stories are, and then also the deliberate intention that I think a lot of networks now are paying to making sure that people of color are represented and not in the worst possible light, not as a mugshot, not as something unfortunate, but telling those fun and uplifting stories, telling the stories about challenges and struggles and everything that is in between. I've got my show here. I think the diversity of uh, my station has improved in the years since I've been here. Another uh, station in this market, they've hired a local race and culture reporter, which, you know, five years ago would have been unheard of that that would happen on the local level uh, some of the big networks they've got race and culture units and so i think that there's a there's change that's happening but i think what's most important well, we should also point out that you know now a number of the networks are led by people of color and MSNBC. Their president is a black woman. Um, ABC News, same thing, black woman. And uh, NBC, we've got a number of uh, Hispanic people who are in extremely high positions of leadership. And so I think that that is critically important in terms of facilitating the change. That you've got all kinds of people telling the stories, deci making decisions about coverage, and and so it's getting better. There's obviously still a ways to go, but improvement is there. Yeah, it can, can always get better, fully agree with you. But I think it, um, you bring up a good point is you need uh, people of color in those leadership positions to drive um, the awareness. Uh, it's not necessarily saying you're going to go out and cover this story, you know, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Hispanic, and I'm going to go make you cover a Hispanic story. It's more like, hey, you need to open your eyes to these types of stories. You need to be aware of these types of stories because you bring up a great point about the mugshot thing. And I, and I think, you, again, journal, journalism with a big J, I think pays way too much attention to low level crime, like the mugshot kind of crime stuff. If it affects a neighborhood or if it affects a large group of people, different story. But like, I don't necessarily need to know the story about the guy who was caught speeding on the Southern State Parkway you know, or whatever. That's that I don't need that. Um, unless, you know, the guy accidentally went through somebody's bedroom and that's a different story. Right. Um, but, but getting back to the point, making sure that stories about communities of color are told, I think does flow from the top down. So to your point, great to see people of color in those leadership positions. Yeah. That's a, that's uh, a special thing that I never would have expected would be happening so soon, but glad the change is there. 
So awesome. So awesome. Let's pivot to uh, getting back into the newsroom a little bit. And we can stay on the stories about communities of color. Um, you started to allude to what goes into a great story, right? You've got, it's about a person, it's about a community. Are there other elements that make a great story for you or for the TV newsroom? Are there other things that you look for when you, when you get that pitch or you read that release? In television, the number one thing after the interviews is just the visual part of it. And so often I'll have a great story. I'm working on something today where we're talking about a program that a, a, a council is, is working on here. And it's a great program, critically important. But how do I tell it on television other than just me and the person that I interviewed speaking? So I'm looking for pictures that they have of the groups that they work with or previous photos of activities because there's no event that I can come out and shoot. There's nothing going on. And especially in the times of COVID that all become so much harder, like reaching people and going into homes or buildings or people gathering. It's not there as much. So I always look for visuals. And, and that's something that I, I, I wish more people kind of thought about on the front end, like whatever you have <laughs> that I can tell this story. When someone looks at the screen, they got to see something other than me or you, you know, that that's so important. So, so visuals are, are key. A good character, again, I think just having a good person or people to talk to an interesting story to build everything around. Those are the things that I'm looking for. What, they, what can I see and who am I talking to that, that makes it special? Um, I've had a lot of success in the last two years, especially you know since, since the onset of COVID. We're, we're all in front of our Zooms, right? And we're even recording this on Zoom uh, now. A lot of interviews obviously going, going on over Zoom uh, because people can't be in the same place. It's opened up considerably from, from you know, even 12 months ago. Um, but I also find that lots of TV stations that are strapped for either time or personnel in shooting a story, and we're specifically talking about TV here, will accept the video that I send to them as long as it is shot well, lit well, mic'd well, right? It looks like something that they would shoot. It passes muster for their air. What's the opinion of you and your station on that? I, we've done it before, especially early on in the pandemic where we were doing everything outside. I did a really cool story with a, a woman who uh, is an African-American quilt maker and she's done really amazing quilts. And now she was transferring that into making masks. And so she was sewing mat when, back when we all first had to go out and get them these beautiful things that you put on your face, but we couldn't go into her house to film her workshop. And so I, my photographer and I gave her daughter a lesson. All right, here's how you're going to film your your mom with your cell phone while she's sitting at her sewing machine and then try to teach her kind of a one-on-one -on -one really quickly of of how to how to shoot so make sure you hold the camera horizontally not up and down <laughs> number one and then try to shoot mom wide medium tight um and you know so we where possible we do that often sometimes we'll get from from pr folks we'll get like a, a pre-filmed package they'll try to put the story together and send it to us that we generally virtually always will stay away from because we do want to tell the story on our own so we don't want anything that's really staged no actors but something like that where we couldn't go into the space or perhaps had she been you know in another town or another city where we couldn't reach her telling folks hey listen this is what you do i know you did it for the purposes of this broadcast we're, i think we're, we're generally okay with a lot of that okay yeah great that and that that jives with uh, a lot of what i've heard from from a lot of different tv reporters um and i will definitely stay away from packaging a story i will send like 30 seconds of b-roll you know with with a couple of different shots just kind of lined up 
And I'm trying to think again in terms of the newsroom and what they needed, because I used to cut tape in a newsroom. I used to have to put together that little 30 second of B-roll that kind of repeats and repeats and repeats as it's as the VO is going by or the VO sod is running. Um, But I will send that to them. Um, And it's and it's run many, many times that the the B-roll that I provided along with information. I'm not writing their piece. I'm giving the assets they need to do the reporting on the story that I'd like them to do. Um, and it sounds like you that your newsroom and many newsrooms um, at least like and appreciate that, whether they run it as a different story. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to have, but we always take a look and we want to just make sure that we're not, again, not running a commercial. So there, there's a good balance. And sometimes we'll include if it's, it's shot by somebody else who isn't us, we make sure to put a credit there so people understand that it's not our material. Very, very good. Uh, good point. Put credits in all of your news releases and all of your pitches if you are sending, whether it's a photo or video, right? Mm-hmm. Always yeah, send that credit. You or tell us what to do because sometimes they'll have a huge graphic that doesn't go with our our style, and we'll make sure something gets there that says it. But perhaps we just wanted to match, you know, the the overall aesthetic of our, our graphics package. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, let's flip it just a little bit. What don't you like about certain pitches you get? Are there things that just turn you off, or you say, "I can't do this," or "I'm not doing this"? Obviously, we've we settled on the the commercial thing, right? You know, yeah. obviously, you're not going to run a commercial <laughs> for somebody. But what are some of the things where you get a pitch and you're like, "Oh." oh, this would be great if they only had or something like that. Yeah, you know, when, it, when there's no character or when there's something that we come out to that we're invited to. And then I have a PR person who's next to me. I, I call them producers sometimes where they will try to tell me what to do, how to do it. I'm in a gathering where you've invited the public and I can very easily, I've been doing this since I was 18 years old, go out and find a person to just say, hey, what do you think about what's going on today? And they'll be like, well, we're going to present to you Susie, Bob and Jane. This is who you can talk to. <laughs> and that for me, it drives me crazy you know I mean I get you know when we're talking about elected officials or dignitaries or somebody who's running something like okay you only can talk to this person for this amount of time or or this person generally for whatever reason isn't available but a hovering PR person who tells me how to do the story I I mean I I hate to say it but I've been at stories where I have literally rolled my eyes like could you put man I I can do this (laughs) I promise you um and so that that's one of the things that the bugs me is that I mean there's a balance you got a job to do and I get that but then telling me how to do my part of the job drives me crazy good point good point yeah I I am the uh, I'm the hands-off PR guy at events you know you're there I know you're there great here's all this I point you at the stuff and I say go yeah yeah that's the that's the way to do it yeah (laughs) and then let me know when it's gonna run (laughs) so I can watch so I can watch for it (laughs) Well, what advice, since you have been there, what advice would you give to young people who want to be the Leslie Mays of tomorrow? I mean, you started, like you said, when you were in college, you walked your way right up through, um, again, I'm using the phrase, but you walked your way right up through the ranks to to where you are now. Where should the journalists of tomorrow start today? I think now the journalists of tomorrow today have so many opportunities and that in just the time since I've graduated from college, it's become so much more accessible. There are so many ways for you to be a journalist without working for one of the legacy networks. You know, you can be a journalist before you get that first job at a place like where I am or, you know, further down the line or a little bit behind me. There are so many ways to, 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 
get into this field that I love. So I would say for anybody who's thinking about this one, you got to know that you want to do it because for all the fun I've had and for all the cool things I've been able to do, it is hard work. You know, everybody talks about the fact that, especially in television early on, you don't make any money and you might have to move all over the United States of America trying to get to the place where you would like to ultimately be. But if you love this work, all of those sacrifices of working the overnights, the early morning shifts, late at night, being out in the elements, it all becomes worth it because every day you get to like find out answers to things. You get to meet new people. I've met more people than probably anyone that I know because every day I'm out in the street talking to strangers. And so it's a fun thing, but make sure that you really want to do this. So you got to be intellectually curious. You've got to be dedicated. Start wherever you are. You can become a journalist and get stuff that you can put on your resume. So starting your own podcast, starting a blog or a vlog, um, interviewing people for fun and posting it on your social media channels is a great way to do it. And then I think once you're in school and you're on that more formal track, continuing to do that stuff and just making sure that you intern as much as possible, I think is critically important. Um, you know, don't wait until you're a senior in college. Certainly don't wait until after you've left school because it becomes a lot harder when they've got that requirement for college credit. But, you know, stick with it um, and, and, and work at it and find out, you know, what space you want to be in. Do you want to do local news? Do you want to do some of this cable stuff that's out there? Do you want to do web things? Do you want to work for a magazine online? Um, it's, it's the greatest. I love what I do. I've never changed my feeling about that. I can't imagine doing anything else, but, you know, work at it and stick with it and you'll get there. Well, it is no surprise that you are as successful as you have been. And I'm, I'm really glad that we got this opportunity to speak with you. Thank you so much, Leslie. Thank you for having me. Well, we are going to segue into the rapid fire question portion of our podcast here. This is where we have a little fun. We steal a page from inside the actor studio, ask our guests a series of rapid fire questions just meant to elicit a simple little response. So with your indulgence, we're going to kick it off. Here we go. Rapid fire question number one, what is your favorite news source? I'd say the New York Times and anything NBC. There you go. That's the right answer. <laughs> rapid fire question number two, what is your favorite social media platform? Definitely Instagram. I love the pictures and the little captions that go along with it. Awesome. Rapid fire question number three, coffee or alcohol? I'm trying to do less and less coffee these days. So I do enjoy a good glass of wine in moderation every once in a while. Excellent. Excellent. Rapid fire question number four, and this should be a good one for a reporter. What is your favorite on the run food? a bag of snacks i hate to there's two i've got two answers for all of these but probably fruit roll-ups and string cheese strange combination but they they travel well and it's got that sweet savory thing there you go nice love it love it all right and rapid fire question number five this is our philosophical one what do you want to be after you finish this career i don't think you ever finish being a journalist i think i'll be asking questions and trying to get answers for as long as I live. But if I weren't a journalist, I think I'd probably be either a lawyer or a jewelry designer. Ooh, all right. Those are some good ones. I like it. All right. Well, Leslie, again, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Please let people know how they can find you online. On social media, I am at Leslie Mays, Mays spelled with an E-M-A-Y-E-S, TV on everything. 
Awesome. Well, thanks again, Leslie. And thank you everyone for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the show, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the PR podcast and send us a question or a comment. Our intro is by Christopher Apple. You can find him and his fantastic photography on Instagram at Christopher underscore A-P-P-O-L-D-T. Check him out there and hire him for all your photography needs. You can find me online at Jody Fisher on all the socials and online at jodyfisherpr.com. We'll see you next time on the PR podcast.